Hey there, are you a spiritual seeker looking for the perfect way to blend your physical, spiritual, emotional, and mental health and well-being practices? Maybe you already have an interest in yoga or astrology or want to learn more about yoga's sister science, Jyotish, or Vedic astrology? Well then, I'm super glad you're here, and I'd like to extend you a very warm welcome to the Yogi Scopes podcast. I'm your host, Rosemary Holbrook. I'm a yoga teacher and a Vedic sidereal astrologer, meaning I use the sidereal zodiac, so some of the signs might be different from what you're used to. To get a free copy of your sidereal birth chart, please visit my website, yogiscopes.com slash chart dash calculator. Now let's get started. Glad you're here. Hello, friends. I'm talking a little bit quieter than I normally do. Normally, I just sit in here in my office and be as loud as I want to, but my newborn is downstairs being watched by somebody other than me, and I don't want her to hear me and freak out. So that's why I'm talking a little bit quietly, more quietly than I normally do. Um, but then that's also, I bring that up just to say, that's where I've been. If you are new around here or you forgot, or this is your first episode you're listening to, I am just coming back after a almost two month long pause because I had a baby. I quit working within the weeks leading up to her birth and I, I haven't been putting out any podcast episodes. Like I mentioned a few times before I quit that I, it was my best intention to, but life happened and I didn't, but I have been pretty active in the yoga plus astrology Facebook community. And that's where I'll continue to be active. We're actually doing a reading giveaway in there right now. So it's always linked in the show notes. If you're not already a part of that group, go join and mention in your join questions, how you heard about, if you want to win a free reading with me, basically, um, mention, so it's linked in the show notes, go join and mention in the join questions where it says, how did you hear about this group? You just say, I heard on the podcast that there was a giveaway. And if you say something to that effect, or maybe if you saw my post on Instagram, because I did post about that too, but just mention the giveaway and wherever you heard about it. And that will be one entry. And then once you join the group, there's a bunch more ways to get entries. Like, um, you just have to join the group to see. So if you're not on Facebook, never fear. I am planning to run another giveaway that will have more ways to join, um, once this one is over and it's over once the group reaches 200 members. And I started it when we were, when we hit 100 and in a week we've already gained, uh, like 25 new members. So I don't suspect it'll be going on for more than three more weeks. So join the group because I, that's where I really want to build community. Like, I don't want to just be me shouting into the void kind of like it's been and it's working. Like we're starting to get more, people participating in it, which is what I want. So that's, it benefits us both. If you join the group and participate, um, to get more entries and to get a, you get a free reading and then I get a nice sense of community with you all. So it's not just me talking at you. That's a way to participate back. Um, so that's all the housekeeping stuff. I think I wanted to talk about it. Oh, and also that I'm, uh, I thought I would, May is like this weekend, right? Like when I release this podcast, it'll be almost May. And I 
told y'all I would probably be reopening readings in May. That's when I expected. Um, it'll be a couple more weeks still until I have regular childcare. I'll have it here and there for the next couple weeks. So I'm going to start slowly reemerging. Um, but I don't want to open readings for like self booking, like, cause normally you'd purchase a reading and you just book yourself and you get a link to my calendar and you just book, um, a time that works for you. But so you can go and if you want to get a reading, you can go purchase one anytime and you can just reply to the email you get. You'll get an automatic email with the booking link, but there right now there's no availability on my booking link and I don't expect there to be. I'm going to wait until, so middle of May I get regular childcare and I'm not going to open my books right away for self-booking. I'm going to like let things level out and see where the dust settles because I've done this. This isn't my first radio with kids. I know um, it doesn't always go as planned. Uh, especially with starting something new. So you can get a reading if you want, but you're going to have to email me to find a time that works for both of us rather than having the convenience of just picking a time off my calendar and booking yourself. But you, So readings are back open, kind of. That's the other thing I wanted to mention. Um, but I hope to see you all in the Facebook group. You can, And so that's what I also figured that by the time the giveaway is closing, I will have more idea of what my availability will look like on a regular basis. So I'll, you know, it'll coincide nicely. Um, there, so this podcast episode, I want to talk about the eclipse season we're entering into, um, because it's a big deal, but also it's just so happens that April and March actually also were the, like the biggest astrological months of the year with the most shifts and changes happening. Um, and I mentioned them all briefly before I took my maternity leave. And I promised that there would be episodes coming out about each of the events as they happened, but it just didn't work out that way. Um, I was like more tired than I expected to be at the end of my pregnancy. So, and I kept having issues with childcare. Like I said, you know, like it just happens. Kids get sick. We were still dealing with like COVID exposures then and the daycare shutting down for two weeks. Um, for quarantine period. And so I think we're through the thick of that now. And that actually has to do with some of these astrological changes, like Saturn being in Capricorn had a lot to do with the pandemic. So, um, Saturn is moving into Aquarius today. As I record this, it's Thursday, April 28th. I'm going to try to just drop it this afternoon, or if I don't get to it before my childcare provider needs to leave, I can, um, release, if I end up having to release it tonight, I'll just schedule it for tomorrow. So Thursday, April 28th, Saturn's moving into Aquarius. It briefly spent some time in Aquarius last summer. So this is the quick rundown of like what's been happening before I get into the eclipse stuff. Saturn briefly moved into Aquarius last summer of 2021. Remember when we felt like we could, after the vaccines came out, we felt like we could ditch our masks for a little bit and things started opening back up and it felt much more optimistic. But then in the fall, miraculously coinciding with when Saturn retrograded back into Capricorn, the restrictions started coming back again. Um, and in that time, Jupiter was also in Aquarius, um, just adding to, so Jupiter does not do well when it's with Saturn because Saturn restricts its optimism basically, um, is the feel of that. And now that Jupiter is no longer in Capricorn and Aquarius, like it was for the first two years of the pandemic, Jupiter is now in Pisces. That's a huge reason for the added optimism now, why I'm not as worried about 
COVID exposures specifically, um, giving me unexpected two weeks off, like happened a bunch and was usually the main reason why I didn't get podcast episodes out on time. It was because my daycare would just call me and be like, Hey, you need to be here in the next 30 minutes to get your kid and can't bring him back for two weeks. And so (laughs) that would just mess everything up. I would have to spend the whole time rescheduling everything. So things like that, y'all know you were there too. Um, but so just in my personal life, I'm like, I'm probably through that getting sent kids getting sent home for two weeks at a time, but they're kids, you know what I mean? Like they're still probably going to get sick and need mom or whatever. Um, so anyway, um, Jupiter is now in Pisces and I'm going to talk a little bit more about that. So that's adding a lot to the optimism, the dreaminess of right now. Um, and I have been talking about this stuff in the Facebook group, but I feel like I can explain it better by talking than writing. Like some people don't want to read as much as I want to write. Um, I think so. And then Saturn is now in Aquarius. By the time you hear this, Saturn will be in Aquarius. And so that is still kind of a restrictive, a little bit feeling, but it's a lot more optimistic. And then, so I also want to add that with it being in Aquarius, it's aspecting Aries. So it's aspecting where the eclipse is happening and we'll get more into what that means. But the good news is that means it's no longer aspecting Jupiter. Um, and we'll get more into what that means too. So basically there's, um, an expanded sense of optimism. The optimism is no longer feeling restricted by Saturn's influence, but there is a sense of restriction on the new beginnings and like you, so anyway, we'll get there. Um, and then what else to catch you up to speed? Also Rahu and K2 moved. And I did talk about that before I took maternity leave, but I want to say more because, so if you haven't listened to the the episode, a couple episodes ago called Rahu and K, it was, it was called the karmic indicators in Vedic astrology. That's Rahu and K2. It was a, just a lecture episode about what Rahu and K2 are and what they represent. So if you haven't listened to it, or if you've forgotten and you want to go back and listen to it again, I recommend that, um, because it will help put this in context a little bit more, help it make a little bit more sense if you care about that kind of stuff. If not, you can just take my word for it. Um, but Rahu and K2 spend 18 months in a set of signs in whatever sign they're in, and they're always opposing each other. So they're always on opposite sides of the Zodiac, which means they're also, um, they create like tension in our life between two areas sometimes like you can think about like work life balance self other balance or like any other kind of things that can be um at odds with each other that's the kind of dynamic that Rahu and K2 bring and they also are responsible for eclipses so we'll get more into that what that means um in just a moment but this is important background in my opinion um so there are two sets of two eclipses per year, usually. And so for a year and a half cycle where Rahu and K2, um, stay in signs, there are three sets of two eclipses where Rahu and K2 are in those signs. And this is the first one since Rahu and K2 just moved to Aries and Libra, respectively, Rahu's in Aries and K2 is in Libra. 
Um, this is the first eclipse season with that energy, but I did mention earlier in the year, um, I can't tell you exactly which episode at this point I have been off in la la land with my newborn baby completely, um, just kind of wiping the slate clean personally. Um, so I can't tell you exactly which episode that was, but I did mention that we wouldn't be 100% totally done with the Taurus and Scorpio energy where they just were. And let me explain to you why. So I did an Instagram post, so you can find it if you're not on Instagram. I sent it out to, no, wait, no, I sent a different Instagram post out to my email list. Anyway, I will send it out to my email list. So go ahead and jump on it after I release this episode. Fridays are the day now that I send out um, updates to my email list. So I'll send a link to that post um, to my email list about the most recent full moon was in Libra. So it was technically an astrological eclipse because the moon and the sun were conjunct with the nodes. And you can learn more about what that like actually means if you listen, re-listen to that Rahu and K2 episode. Um, but it wasn't a astronomical eclipse. But now we're headed into what are astronomical eclipses. But what's interesting is that so this one is in Aries, so it's an astrological and astronomical eclipse, meaning the moon and the sun are conjunct the nodes, but and it's also an astronomical eclipse. But the next one is happening in Scorpio. The full moon, it's an eclipse. It's an astronomical eclipse, but it's happening in Scorpio, which is what our last eclipse season was. So we're not quite done with that energy. Um, and I'll talk more about that when we get there, when I because I should have regular childcare by then. Um, so I will have a chance to record. That'll probably be the next episode I get to record. Um, so don't look for one for next week, but the week after I will get to talk about the full moon lunar eclipse in Scorpio and what that means for kind of wrapping up that energy. And then there's something else happening later this year, Mars going retrograde in first Gemini, but then spending the majority of its retrograde in Taurus is going to bring up that dynamic and that energy again. So we're not 100% done with that karmic cycle. And if you want to know more about what that karmic cycle was about, just go back to the November and December-ish episodes where I talked about the eclipses. Um, I think I released to the public, not just to my membership. Yeah, it was to the public because it was before I launched my membership. Um, the sign-by-sign interpretations, which by the way, if you're in the membership, I'm going to do sign-by-sign interpretations for this eclipse. So general interpretation here for the public and then sign by sign interpretations for the membership. Look for that. Um, we'll be dropping at the same time. Um, but you can also just look for where Aries is in your chart and feel free to message me. I love talking about astrology and messaging and stuff or email is like something I can do when I'm nap trapped by a baby. So if you want to message me with questions, find me on social media, send me an email. I'm like super happy to hear from you and answer your questions. Um, you can get your birth chart on my website and I'm happy to answer. You can just tell me what ascendant you are and I can tell you where it's happening for you. Um, or you can join the, the membership and get it right away and you don't even have to talk to me. <laughs> anyway, um, so we're entering into a new cycle. This is the first set of eclipses in these signs. And just so happens that Aries is the first 
sign of the zodiac. So first eclipse of this new cycle in the first sign of the zodiac um, in a nakshatra, a lunar mansion that is symbol symbolized by a vulva, a yoni, a woman's, a female reproductive organ, not the uterus, but the vulva, the vagina, the yoni. Um, and so what does that symbolize? So Aries has a connection with spring and the archetypes of, of newness, the, um, lamb, right? Like, you know, newness, spring, that whole birth archetype. And so does the nakshatra, the lunar mansion, Barani has a connection with birth and creation. And, um, so we're going to talk about the second chakra as well, because that has, you know, it encapsulates the reproductive organs and that is how we'll kind of decipher what yoga practices are indicated for this eclipse related to the second chakra, where our creativity and creation of life, AKA giving birth stems from It's all second chakra stuff. So that's what's, um, being brought up by this eclipse, but there also has an energy of like out with the old in with the new. So during eclipses, during the time, like from this eclipse, which happens, wow, I can't believe I didn't even say this yet. It happens on Saturday, April 30th at 4.27 PM precisely. So you have a couple days around, like I always say, there's a shadow period. You don't have to like do your ritual or practice or whatever right then. Um, but, um, couple days around is when you want to kind of do it. So Saturday is a, is a good day to lay low. New moons in general are, but eclipses even more so, especially from the period in between the first one and the second one, because it always comes in, come in pairs. Sometimes there's three kind of like this time I said, like there's an astronomical eclipse. I would consider that we've already been in the eclipse shadow period since the last full moon, but I'm not that dogmatic about it. Y'all learn that about me. If you don't already know, I am super not dogmatic about any of this. I'm like, let's know what we're improvising off of, but make it work in your life. Right. Um, you know, so let's know the rules so that we can break the rules basically. Um, that's how I've lived my life, my whole life rebel without a cause. I have a lot of Aquarius placements. Um, anyway, so it's a good time to lay low. It's a good time to lay low, not start any new endeavors between now and the next eclipse, which is happening on the next full moon in the middle of May. And I will talk more about that then. And then really technically the eclipse period shadow period kind of extends for another two weeks past that until the next new moon when we have a kind of sort of clearing of energy, but it's okay. Just especially for Saturday, try to lay low. Don't like make that your launch date for anything important. Um, there's a huge dreamy energy going on right now. We have a lot of stuff happening in Pisces. Um, Jupiter's in Pisces. It rules Pisces. Neptune is there. It just, if under a sidereal system, it just moved there on, I think it was April 17th. Um, so recently, like within the past week or two, my days are still blending together. Um, but in, under tropical placements, so if you follow some Western astrologers, uh, it's been there for years. But under sidereal placements, it just moved there. And 
Also in Western astrology, Neptune is considered another ruler of Pisces, but in Vedic astrology, that, that's not really a thing because um, the main reason is because the outer planets like Neptune and Pluto and Uranus were not discovered when Vedic astrology was like transmitted and written down. So that's the main reason, but um, we can consider it another ruler of Pisces, but Jupiter is the true ruler of Pisces. Um, so the energy is very much the same. Neptune has this connection to dreaminess and illusion as well. That's why it goes really well with Pisces energy, but it almost like, so now we have Jupiter there. We have Neptune there. We have Venus just moved there, um, on Wednesday. So yesterday, uh, as when I'm recording this Wednesday, the 27th, um, and Venus is exalted in Pisces. So Pisces is like a star of the show right now too. Like it's not just all about Aries. Pisces is also a star of the show. Um, but you have to be careful with that energy because when you have too much, you know, too much of a good thing can be a bad thing. So too much of this dreamy spiritual energy, you have to reel yourself in because Saturn is also now that it's moved into Aquarius, no longer aspecting Pisces like it was. Um, but now it's aspecting Aries, it's aspecting the eclipse. So we'll talk more about that in just a second. So just keep that in your mind that there's this huge dreamy energy going on. And I'm going to talk about how I think you can harness that. So basically lean into the dreaminess, but don't, if you try to act on it during the eclipse, you might act in a fashion where you're like, you look back on it later and you're like, Oh, I was like really carried away by that energy. And like, that wasn't good. So, um, before you make any big changes or decisions, just like sleep on it first, at least one night is my advice for that, I guess. Um, just don't do anything impulsive. Yeah, bad. it's a bad time for impulsivity right now. Just try not to be impulsive. Um, but you know what helps with that? Mercury is in Taurus and it just moved there last Sunday. Um, and Taurus is so practical and Mercury can be kind of impulsive. So we have a practical energy, um, kind of restricting the impulsivity. So that, that can help Mercury being in Taurus, but, um, it just, another reason I'm saying it's a, it's a time you're going to feel impulsive, not only because eclipses can make you feel impulsive it's an Aries, which is kind of known for being impulsive. Um, and then we have this huge dreamy energy that if you get swept up in, you might feel more impulsive. Also, Pluto is going retrograde in Capricorn tomorrow, Friday the 29th. So the day before the eclipse and Pluto brings like upheaval and it's in Capricorn, which represents structures. So upheaval to structures, you might feel like upheaving some shit in your life. So I'm just here to tell you. You might feel like doing that, but please give it some thought before you do. I'm all for it. I'm all for like upheaving some shit that needs to be upheaved, upheft, whatever that past tense of like, you know, if you need to do it, if you need to make big changes, do, but don't do it impulsively is what I'm trying to communicate to you. There's a lot in the universe going on that might make you feel impulsive. You might get some big ideas and get swept up in how great it feels to dream really big and good. But just spend some time with the creativity of that um, and just being creative and being in that space and dreaming of the possibilities. But then I want to ask you to formulate a plan 
before you go make any rash decisions. So sleep on it for a night or even a couple weeks before you go implementing. And we'll talk more about how to implement it later. Um, so right now is more about the dreaming than the doing. Um, and so also now finally I'm here to come full circle. Saturn aspecting the eclipse. Saturn likes structure. So you might dream big with all of this Pisces energy. Dream really big about what you're going to birth into the world out with old in with the new what are you going to birth and if you listen in the membership to what area of life or you just look where Aries is in your chart to know what area of life this is impacting that that can I I always encourage you to follow your intuition like if you know what you need to birth in this life go for it um but if you're feeling confused or you want to make sure you're aligned look for where Aries is in your chart or listen to the um like join the membership so you can listen and I'll just tell you um, so slow and steady wins the race. You don't need to go make any big decisions right now. Just dream big, um, and harness the practicality of Mercury being in Taurus and Saturn, um, aspecting the eclipse. So Saturn being in Aquarius also brings more like humanitarian and kind of dream big energy than it being in Capricorn did. So, but it also still has that structure and routine and, um, that kind of energy of just Saturn in general. So if you can harness that, apply the structure and the practicality to what you're dreaming big, you'll be much more successful. Um, and just remember this stuff doesn't happen overnight, basically. So basically I just want to say this eclipse is not a time to act on impulse, but it is a time to dream about the kind of life you want to live. What do you want to birth into this world? What kind of person do you want to be? You know, those kinds of things. Um, so yeah, I hope that makes sense. Without further ado, I'm going to get into the journal prompts and yoga practices to harness this and en uh, energy. So the journal prompts are, what do I want to birth into this world? And what parts of, of me are no longer serving me that I could let quote unquote die? So what parts of you could you let go? This notion of death and rebirth um, that go along with this nakshatra, this lunar mansion. Um, I also meant to mention, so like I pointed out that the nakshatra is represented by a yoni, which obviously has connections to creativity and birth, um, creating life. Uh, so do you want to create a new life for yourself or is there something that you want to birth into the world? But it's also ruled by the deity Yama, who is the god of death. So if that's not a clear symbol of death and rebirth, I don't know what is. Um, so I will talk more about that again in the yoga practices. Keep that in your mind, um, death and rebirth. Um, so you can think about those, free write about those two questions. What do you want to birth into the world and what parts of you are no longer serving you that you want to let go of. And then you could also think of three ways of being that you want to let go of and three ways of being that you want to keep, start, or reinforce. And those will be written down in the membership too. In the show notes in the membership, they get those written down so you don't have to like rewind and try to re-listen. Um, just a little perk for the members because I love them. Anyway, I love y'all too if you're not members. I'm here doing this for you because it's helped me tremendously. This study has, and I just want to share that. That's why I'm here. 
So, um, yoga practices, bhakti yoga. If you've never heard, that's B-H-A-K-T-I. If you've never heard of it, bhakti yoga, it means the yoga of devotion. And technically it is devotion to a deity. So you can think about the deity Yama, or if you have a favorite one, my personal favorite is Ganesh. Um, anyway, if you have a favorite one, you could do a devotional practice to that deity, make an altar, whatever, um, chant the mantra for that deity. Um, you could do that or you could just, okay, how do I'm a big proponent of how do we take this stuff off of our mat and into our life? And so what are you devoting yourself to in this life? Um, can you practice seeing the divine in everything? You know, not just a deity, something up on a pedestal somewhere far away. Can you bring that sense of the divine down into your daily life? Can you live your life with devotion, with love for love's sake? Um, and you could also just look into bhakti yoga if you find some teachers um, I'm not personally a teacher of bhakti yoga, but if you wanted to, like, I don't know, YouTube something, or if you know personally a teacher, that's good. That's indicated right now, but the way if you want to just incorporate it in your daily life off the mat, um, just think about unconditional love, living your life, loving so much that you don't feel like you live with regrets for not being loving enough. And so that brings me to my next point relating back to um, the, the deity of death, Yama. So one of the kleshas, the five causes of suffering from the sutras, the yoga sutras of Patanjali, I did an episode of, about them on my other podcast called the science of light. Um, you can find it there. The kleshas, the causes, causes of suffering is spelled K-L-E-S-H-A, klesha. Um, one of them is Abhinivesha which is the fear of death. And basically how that translates into regular life um, is not that most of us are going around like being scared that we're going to die all the time. Although sometimes I have an irrational fear of driving over bodies of water on a bridge. It freaks me out. I'm like, is my car going to end up in, in there in that body of water? Anyway, sorry, should have put a trigger warning for that, I guess. But um, <laughs> like, so that's one moment where I get like a, a real actual fear of death. But most of us aren't carrying that around 24 seven, but how it does translate into regular life is fear of ego death. So it's an over identification with our self, our roles, our identity in this world. Um, so like worrying about losing our self, which sometimes is a valid concern. Like if codependency, codependency is an issue that you struggle with this does not apply to you and you probably like you know because codependent I've struggled with it myself as well it's a it's an uh Nikki Myers one of my teachers calls it the disease of the lost self so this doesn't apply to you if that's your struggle um but if it's not sometimes we get so caught up in like me 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 what do I need um that we don't live fully supporting and loving unconditionally to other people because we're scared of losing ourself. Um, and so, um, can you, that's why bhakti yoga. So we don't live in fear of death. We live in devotion 
to the greater good, to a deity, to the divine, to um, other people, being in service to other people. That's another, you know, if you want to work with Saturn's energy and make Saturn happy so that you don't feel restricted by Saturn, serving other people, seva, the practice of selfless service to others, is really indicated um, there to make Saturn happy. So that's another reason I say study about Abhini Vesha, the fear of death. Think about how that's implicating in your life. Are you living in fear of actual death or ego death? Um, is there any way you can be love more unconditionally and not worry about yourself, losing yourself, um, and balancing that with not being codependent? I actually did another episode about that on the science of light as well. Um, if you haven't heard it, um, where I talked about interdependence, independent, hyper-independence and codependence, it's a valid concern. Uh, I did a whole episode about it. And then second chakra work because of the, um, the yoni, the rebirth, what are you birthing in this world? So second chakra work is a lot of work around the hips, hip mobility, um, doing flowing movements in your practice. I, one I really enjoy is flowing between child's pose and upward dog and creating this sense where it feels like my, uh, spine is like a wave. Like when you move forward from child's pose, it's like the, the wave is coming forward. And then as you sink your hips down into the upward dog, the wave kind of crests or crashes. And then as you move back, you keep the, the cow back. So the arch spine all the way until you settle into child's pose. That's a really good, simple movement to create this feeling of flowing connection to water, um, hip mobility also in a practical sense. Um, so that's a good practice, but then also just know that the second chakra is said to be blocked by fear, especially the fear of death. So tap into that Abhini Vesha work with that. How is that showing up for you in your life? And if you can work with that, releasing fear, releasing fear of death, um, and opening the chakra, perhaps physically with your movements by creating flowing movements and, and hip mobility. Um, it's said that opening this chakra can boost creativity and help manifest your desires and confidence. So that's it. That's just to recap quickly. There's a big dreamy energy going on. Dream big, do it, lean into it, be creative, lean into creativity right now. What are you trying to create? And lean into releasing fears of death, fears of ego death. How can you be more devotional in this life? And, um, balancing that with codependence. If that is an, with not leaning into codependence, if that is an issue for you. Um, so general reminders, dream right now, dream big, but don't do, don't act impulsively. Um, and then remember that slow and steady wins the race. You don't have to do everything at once. We have, this is the first eclipse of this next 18 month cycle. So you have two more eclipse seasons after this to work with this energy at least. So like I was said in the Rahu and K2 special episode, the karmic indicators were undoing karmic lessons and that doesn't just happen all at once. So just keep that in mind. What can you start doing right now to birth this into the world? And I don't mean like go do it and expect it all to happen once, whatever this is for you, especially related to where Aries is in your chart. Um, so harness the dreaminess, harness the practicality and remember 
like I always say in the signs of light, I'm going to say it here too, to always keep your feet on the ground, your head in the stars, and stay in the light. And join the Facebook community if you want to talk more to me. Message me with any questions. Look up your chart on my website, yogiscopes.com chart. And I'm so grateful that you're here. Yeah. Book a reading if you want to. They're opening back up. And keep on the lookout for another episode. I'm grateful that y'all are here. Until next time, I'm glad to be back. Thank you.